Welcome to the PatioBooks.com presentation of Murder at Avedon Hill. My name is P.G. Holyfield. And now, episode 26 of Murder at Avedon Hill. Chapter 25. On the Trail. The Icon of Iberian, the Child of Prophecy. He is filled with the spirit of Aj, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge. Iberian, prophet to all, the priests of Cairn. A short time later, Aaron found himself standing in front of the inn. The air smelled of the possibility of snow. Usually this pleased Aaron, but the growing threat of winter made Aaron shiver. Aaron had to nearly force his way past Lila, who chided him for being out of bed, but he convinced both her and Talik that he was fine and that the morning air would do him good. Aramis started walking away from the inn, Aaron followed. We have a lot of ground to cover today. I would like you to go back to the stables. Hopefully John Avedon will be there. And you? Aramis folded his arms within his sleeves as he was wont to do. My morning will begin at the smithy. See if your dream meant something. You're not going to start at the library? Make sure your librarian is okay? I'm sure Elaine Nichols is fine. While the exploding windows in your dream may be important, I already have reason to visit Herjar. Aramis took the western path, pausing to finish his conversation with Aaron. Meet me back at the inn once you are done, and if you need to rest, you can stop at Red's house. Aramis Cragen stood outside the smithy. He could hear voices from inside, but could not make out what was being said. Before entering the smithy, Aramis decided to make use of his constabulary powers, taking the opportunity to walk around Herjar's property. Water was an important resource for a blacksmith, and several water barrels lined the western wall of the smithy. Aramis looked in each barrel. In the last barrel, the monk found something that confirmed his belief in Aaron's awakening powers. Aaron made it to the stables without too much effort. John's favorite horse was missing from its stall. Lon Garrett was busy changing another horse's shoes. Aaron took the opportunity to sit on a nearby bench and rest. Lon saw him and waved, but remained engrossed in his work. A short time later, John entered the stables, walking before his unbridled horse. Aaron stood and approached the youngest son of Lord Avedon, offering to help unsaddle the horse. 
John bowed his head slightly, acknowledging his aid. I'm glad you're still here. Things are worse at the manor today. How so? John handed him a brush, and they soon stood on opposite sides of the large stallion, brushing the thickening coat of the large steed. It was already quiet and depressed there, but this morning I was told I was going to have to move downstairs and sleep on a makeshift bed Father set up in the Great Hall. When I went to check on Edward, I was told to leave. I can understand not wanting me to get sick, but Karen and Richard are in Edward's room all the time, and no one is worried about them. Maybe they don't want you to get sick before your upcoming competition. Hmm. John didn't appear satisfied with Aaron's reasoning. A moment later, though, recognition crossed John's face. You know, after we spoke yesterday, I passed the cemetery and it made me remember something I should have told you and Sir Aramis. What was it? A few months ago, I walked by the cemetery late at night and I saw Sarah Tremaine there. The clothier? Why was she at the cemetery late at night? I don't know, although she was with someone. Some man I didn't recognize. She seemed pretty happy about being with him. Maybe he was her escort or something. She was giggling and pulling him along between the rows of gravestones. What happened after that? I really don't know. I wasn't about to stop walking, and she led the man behind one of the mausoleums out of my view. I don't know what happened to them after that. So do you mind explaining this to me, Herjar? Aramis dropped an apron on the table in front of Herjar and his apprentice, Alice Wink. The apron was still wet, as Aramis had found it floating on top of the water in a barrel outside of the smithy. In addition to being wet, the apron was stained with blood. Where'd you get that? Herjar was not happy about Aramis's surprise visit. Aramis pointed towards the door behind him. Outside, in one of your water barrels. Herjar was a good five hands taller than Aramis, and the huge hammer he held in his left hand would have made most men nervous. But Aramis was still in a dark mood after Aaron's attack the night before. He didn't care if the burly blacksmith was angry. I know you are looking for Miss Greta's killer, but that don't give you right to search around my property. The scarred man shook his hammer to emphasize his words. Aramis folded his hands within the arms of his robes. Lord Avedon gave me constabulary power, which means I have the right to search anywhere this investigation leads me. Now answer the question, Herjar. It was not Herjar, but Alice Wink who spoke. I... it's mine, Sir Aramis. Alice was completely blocked from Aramis's view by Herjar's towering frame. Aramis had to bend to his right just to see the man. <clears throat> what? Alice Wank was about as different from Herjar as one could be. He was of mixed race himself, but most likely human mixed with the blood of one of the Anaran dwarf clans. Alice was at least four hands shorter than Aramis, barely reaching Herjar's waist. Based on Herjar's stance and demeanor, Alice seemed to be more under the protection of Herjar rather than his apprentice. Herjar turned to Alice as well. Huh? It's my apron. I cut my hand pretty badly on the sword you made for Richard Avedon, remember? Alice held up his hand, which had a three-inch gash along the palm. I used the apron to stop the bleeding. Herjar laid his hammer down on the table within his reach and spoke out of the side of his mouth back at Aramis. Hmm. 
which was why he went home early the night Greta was killed, just like I told you yesterday. Erjar continued with Alus. But why did you put it in the water barrel? I didn't want to waste the apron. I thought the blood would pretty much wash out of it over time, and I figured you wouldn't mind it. I knew something had to be used to prevent Greta's blood from staining the ground at the Manor Courtyard. I knew it could not be this easy. Hajar was not pleased with Alice's use of his water barrel as a washtub, but he wasn't going to discuss the matter further in front of Aramis. Is that all, Sir Aramis? Can you tell me more about the argument you had with Greta Platt before she died? Argument? Herjar appeared genuinely confused. In the middle of town, something about a delivery. His eyes widened as he recalled the incident. His first reaction was one of fear. Oh no, Sir Aramis, I, I know how that might have looked. I didn't mean to get angry. His fear turned to anger, assuming that Aramis would not believe him. I didn't hurt Miss Greta. Aramis did not raise his voice to match the blacksmith's, and kept his hands within his robes. Just tell me what the argument was about, Herjar. She wouldn't let me ship my swords. My swords! Herjar began a low growl, and his face began turning a reddish green. <sighs> Rather than say anything more, Herjar turned and walked into the next room. Alus approached Aramis, blocking his attempt to follow the blacksmith. Herjar got an order from this merchant from you for three bastard swords. They were meant for a castellan, and his two sons were both coming of age. He led Aramis over to a cabinet and opened it. Three swords nearly as tall as Alus hung in the cabinet. Point down. The detail of the pommels alone was going to make Herjar more than he probably made all of last year. Aramis was genuinely surprised at the workmanship. Must have taken Herjar months of work to craft such swords, both the double-edged blades and the details of the grip and pommel. All we had to do was ship the blades to the merchant in the city of Pendar, but Lord Avenon refused. Or at least, that is what Miss Greta told us. But why? Alice Wink's eyes darted to the back room to the now unseen Herjar. It's just the rules, Sir Aramis. On the way back to the inn, Aaron met Karen Avedon as she left the town circle. She seemed embarrassed, most likely over the attack by her brother the evening before. But he approached her, hoping her embarrassment might lead her to share more information about the Avedon family. Are you okay? The concern in Karen's voice made Aaron believe she had learned about the incident at the inn. But only for a moment. I can't believe Edward attacked you. My pride's a bit damaged, but I'll survive. I'm just glad your brother was there. Her concern vanished at the sound of Aaron's voice. Mirth washed across Karen's face. I just wish I could have been there to see you and Sir Aramis stand up to my father. What a sight that must have been. Karen smiled from ear to ear. The prince recognized a bit of himself in Karen at that moment. Your father's... he's trying to survive right now, Miss Avedon. He may be hard on you, but he probably needs you more right now than he ever has. Karen squinted at him as if she didn't believe what he was saying. Can I ask you some questions about Edward? Karen didn't say anything, but she didn't make a move to leave him either. 
What did Edward like to do? Who did he spend the most time with here in town? Edward has always been sort of, well, his own best friend. He liked the library, reading books, and he loved maps. Did he spend a lot of time at the town library? Mostly, he just got the books and went to be by himself somewhere. He used to spend a lot of time at the town theater. We passed it yesterday. We heard hammering from inside. Is, is it being fixed up? Yes, Father has Alice Wenk and one of the constables cleaning it up. He had wanted a concert there this winter with Sarah Tremaine and Greta singing. They both have... Well, Miss Tremaine has a beautiful voice. And Edward spent most of his days there. Yes, he loved it there. It was away from the manor, quiet and relatively clean other than the dust. He was happy there. Meaning he wasn't happy most of the time. Karen licked her lips and then exhaled. She watched her breath as it hung in the air for a moment before dissipating. Other than my father, Edward was affected most by my mother's death. He was very sad, especially at the manor. I believe he would have... I believe he will leave Avedon Hill as soon as he is old enough to have a say in the matter. Aaron remembered something Aramis had said to him the day before. Miss Karen, when you spoke to Sir Aramis last, you were going to tell him something. About Talic Boar, but your father interrupted. What was it? I was going to tell him that I saw Talic outside of the manor the day Greta was killed. He was talking to himself like he was rehearsing what he wanted to say. When I walked up to him and asked him what he was doing. She put her hand on Aaron's arm and smiled. Since that is what I do, Talic asked me if I knew if Greta was going to be leaving the manor any time soon. Did you tell Constable Lewis this? I would have, but Father asked us not to talk to him after... He doesn't want Lewis to find out about Edward. He's afraid how Lewis might react. She excused herself, leaving Aaron to wonder why Lord Avedon would worry at all about Constable Lewis. Aramis and Aaron met back at the inn for an early lunch. The monk took notes on the items Aaron had discovered, and he shared what Alice had told him about Lord Avedon's merchant policies. For the first time since they had arrived in town, Talek was nowhere to be found. It did not matter. Lila had prepared a fine meal for them. So some townspeople have permission to sell their wares in other towns, like Hemming and Sarah Tremaine, but others like Herjar and Alex de Weirin do not. Yes. From the booth, Aaron realized that Lila had been listening to what she could while she swept the room. Aramis called her over. Lila's face was red as the tomato Aaron had left uneaten on his plate. Aramis only smiled at the young woman. Lila, you have something you want to tell us. I'm sorry, sir, but I should have told you yesterday. I was going to this morning, but then Sir Aaron was... But I was sure it was nothing. Please, Lila, anything can be important. The raven-haired waitress leaned in. I overheard you talking about Miss Tremaine in the graveyard. That was what reminded me. I saw her, Miss Tremaine, one time outside one of the estates with a man. She was having relations with him. How long ago was this? Several months back, Sir Aramis. I had just cleaned one of the cottages and was heading back here and saw her. I didn't know who the man was, but he seemed to be enjoying himself. Miss Tremaine didn't see me, and then I saw something I'm still not sure I saw rightly. What was it? 
Aaron shifted on his chair, doing his best to stay patient with the increasingly edgy waitress. She, she bit him. She pushed his head to one side and looked like she bit his neck. Aramis reached for Lila's hand. Dear, why did you not tell us this before? Because I saw the man later that night. It turned out he was staying at the inn. He was smiling ear to ear and wasn't hurt at all, although his neck looked red. I'm, I'm so sorry, Sir Aramis. Aramis patted Lila's hand and tried to calm her. I saw him again the next day before he left for the pass. He looked fine. I didn't want to make trouble since no one looked hurt. Aramis nodded. That's fine, Lila. Now, one last question. Why did you have an argument with Constable Tanner the day after Greta was killed? Lila's eyes grew wider than Aaron thought possible. How did you know? Someone saw you arguing with Constable Tanner. No, I mean, how did you know I told him about Miss Tremaine? Aramis shrugged. I didn't. But why did it turn into an argument? Lila wasn't scared or surprised any longer. She was angry. He told me it was nothing. He said I probably hadn't even seen anything. That I might have just dreamed it one night. And that I remembered my dream once the word got out how Miss Greta had been killed. The monk patted Lila's hand one last time. Thank you, my dear. The statement made it clear that Aramis wanted Lila to leave the room. She did so. Aaron was smiling. How do you do that? Do what? Aaron snorted. <laughs> Never mind. So I take it we're paying the seamstress another visit. No, we are not. I am. You need to sleep. At least a psych or two. Red is upstairs in our room. He'll stay there while you sleep. Go. Aaron was in no position to argue, although the prospect of seeing Sarah Tremaine again threatened to overcome his need for rest. Yes, master. listening to Murder at Avedon Hill, a podcast novel written and produced by P.G. Holyfield. Please visit pgholyfield.com for more information on this novel and the author. Most of the music in this podcast generously provided by Shira Common through Magnatune.com. Magnatune.com, they are not evil. Additional music generously provided by Kevin McLeod through his website at Incompetech.com. Com. Be sure to check out Murder at Avedon Hill at patiobooks.com, and if you are so inclined, please post a review at iTunes, at Podcast Pickle, or at patiobooks.com. Audio comments about the podcast can be left on the Cairn line at 704-315-5884, or go to pgholyfield.com and click on the Call Me button to leave comments. This podcast is copyright 2007-2008.
by P.G. Holyfield and is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivative Works 3.0 U.S. License.